Hare Krishna, everyone. Dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here at Nilachal, Hereford, the, the, the home of the Rao's, uh, my surgeon. I mean, it's unbelievable how Krishna is so kind. With a gorgeous altar that needs no introduction to you all because you've seen it the last few nights. Lord Jagannath, Baladeva, Subhadra, Shishi Gorni Thai, Shibala Gopal, Devi, Krishna Balaram, Nishingadev, Haridas Thakur, the ten uh, avatars, Das avatars, Srila Prabhupada, my dear God, Brother Radhanath Maharaj, we beg your mercy to uh, read nicely this Briyat Bhagavatamrita for posterity that's being recorded and will be uh, archived on the Facebook and on the YouTube cover to cover Srimad Bhagavata excuse me Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram by Srila Sanatana Goswami glorifying the Shastra that is the source of all other Rasa Shastras, the Srimad Bhagavatam, Sumam Bonam of the Absolute Truth. It goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipiyusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnadya, Sarva Lokaika Drikprada. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths. You are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kali Dvanduditaditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshaksharayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of Prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka bando matsangin madgudo man mahadana manistadagamadbhagya madanandanamostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, <clears throat> we're coming to the end. Gradually, we're on text 140 of the seventh chapter, the last chapter of Brihad Bhagavatamrita 
it has 157 verses. But these long purports, by the mercy of Sanatana Goswami, is stretching it out, which is nice for everyone. <clears throat> so we're on this Rasayan section, and uh, yes, we're, we're glorifying, Prakrit Maharaj is now glorifying the uh, topmost devotees, the gopis of Braja. We're beginning with text 140. The minds of those gopis are always absorbed in me, and their very lives are ever devoted to me. For my sake, they have abandoned everything related to their bodies, including ordinary happiness in this and in this life and the religious duties needed for happiness in the next. Therefore, I take it upon myself to sustain those gopis in all circumstances. Commentary In this verse, <clears throat> Krishna tells Uddhava why the gopis need to be so carefully consoled. He also explains why he feels so obliged to, the, to them and what attributes set them apart as his greatest devotees. Because the devotees always think about Krishna, they appear as if possessed by insanity. And because Krishna is their very life and soul, whenever he goes any distance away from them, they seem on the verge of death. In the past, they expressed their unalloyed devotion for him by making great sacrifices. For his sake, they gave up the company of their husbands, children, and homes. But now they live in Braja without him. But now that they live in Braja with him, without him, they feel desolate because they cannot resort to any other shelter than him. If the gopis have actually sacrificed everything for Krishna, why don't they just go to Mathura to be with him? They don't because he promised he would soon return to Braja. That promise, as well as their concern for Krishna's happiness, keeps them from abandoning their physical responsibilities to their husbands, children, and so on, and keeps them nicely dressing and ornamenting themselves. <clears throat> Otherwise, the gopis would simply walk away from their families and cast aside their fine clothing and jewelry Krishna sent them from Mathura. The gopis have no attachment to any of these. For the sake of Krishna, the gopis have put aside all hopes for success in this life and the next. They have abandoned all expectations of material happiness, loka, and spiritual happiness, dharma. Krishna confesses that because the gopis are so perfectly surrendered to him, he takes it as his duty to maintain them, give them strength, and assure their happiness. Krishna alone is the real source of happiness for the gopis, and he is their real protector, much more than their husbands. Therefore, Uddhava should agree to carry Krishna's message to Braja. Here Krishna uses the masculine forms of the pronouns ye and tan, because man or woman, any devotee who has such pure love, 
deserves his protection. Nonetheless, the gopis, through their womanly nature, manifest unique qualifications. They have made what they have made for what women is the supreme sacrifice by abandoning for Krishna's sake their social connections, loka, and their feminine virtues of shyness and chastity, dharma. <clears throat> Uddhava may worry that the gopis have abandoned everything, must be wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. How then will he be able to find them? And furthermore, since they have rejected all social ties, they must have become like mad women haunted by ghosts. How then will he be able to reason with them? Krishna assures Uddhava that even though the gopis have for his sake abandoned loka and dharma, he watches over them and protects them. He continues to provide them the same worldly and super-worldly benefits they have rejected. <clears throat> Thus, when Uddhava reaches Vrindavan, he will find the gopis at home with their husbands and children and of sane mind. What's more, Krishna personally continues to provide even for the husbands and children the gopis have mentally abandoned. There is no need to worry that, worry that the families of the gopis might be uncared for or that the community might have ostracized the husbands for having wives who have abandoned religious principles. Krishna is protecting the gopis' families and, of course, he is protecting the gopis themselves and their religious principles. Through his personal energies, Krishna provides for the needs of the husbands and children so what doubt can there be that he maintains the gopis? He supplies their worldly needs, loka, maintains the integrity of their religious duties as women, stri dharma, and keeps them strongly engaged in their primary interest and highest dharma, nam sankirtan, and the other essential aspects of devotional service to him. According to the rules for Sanskrit euphony, te chaktva may be read as the elided form of ye atyaktra. Mm. Ye chakta may be read as the elided form of ye atyakta. And when we take the liberty to restore the prefix a, not, Another meaning of the last two lines of this verse comes out. Only for my sake have the gopis not abandoned their worldly responsibilities. Loka, Dharma. Therefore, dear Uddhava, since you are virtually equal to me, you should go to Braja, make the gopis happy, protect their sanity and natural humility, and do the same for their husbands, their children, and everyone else. In Braja. Text 141. <clears throat> My dear Uddhava, for those women of Gokula, I am the most cherished object of love. Thus, when they remember me, who am so far away, they are overwhelmed 
by the anxiety of separation. Commentary Here Krishna speaks to his friend Uddhava with deep concern for the gopis. Never, he tells Uddhava, has he seen in anyone such distress as the gopis now suffer, nor has he ever heard of such misery in any historical or literary account. At every moment, the gopis are so beside themselves in bewilderment of separation that they seem ready to leave their bodies for the abode of death. In this world, one's spouse, children, and friends are generally all very dear. Yet more dear is one's own body, and still more dear the vital air of life. More dear than life is dharma, still more dear is moksha, and even more dear is Krishna bhakti, pure devotional service to Krishna. Krishna bhakti finds its perfect culmination in unalloyed prema. And because the, the gopis are more advanced in Krishna prema than anyone else, they are more, most dear to the Supreme Lord and His devotees. For the gopis, Krishna Himself is the most dear object of attraction. When He goes far away to Mathura and remains there, the gopis nearly drown in the anxiety of separation and stay alive only by the, by the faint hope that He will come back to them. Unable to think and act coherently, they become as if insane. They fall into obsessive remembrance of Krishna, thinking about how they used to associate with Him. And they become so confused and distant from reality that it becomes difficult to verify that they are still alive. The gopis suffer greatly when Krishna leaves them for even a moment. But when He leaves Vrindavan for Mathura, they approach the extreme limit of distress. Yet even though the greatness of their pain often overwhelms their minds, the gopis cannot help but remember Krishna. Krishna calls Uddhava Anga, dear friend, to remind Uddhava, I am depending on your skills as a messenger and counselor to save the lives of the gopis by delivering my message. Text 142 Simply because I have promised to return to them, my fully devoted cowherd girlfriends struggle to somehow or other maintain their lives. Commentary In the previous verse, Krishna described the condition of Gokula Striya, which can be taken to mean all the ladies of Braja, old as well as young. Now, he focuses his attention on the Braja gopis, who are most dear to them to him. The young gopis, such as Sri Radhika, the, the young gopis, such as Sri Radhika, as improbable as it seems to Krishna, these dear gopi girlfriends, including Chandravali, even though on the constant verge of death from the pain of separation, manage somehow to survive. <clears throat> Krishna is ashamed to confess that he intends to lie to the gopis, yet he must explain the contents of the message he is asking Uddhava to carry. 
Uddhava must assure the gopis that Krishna will come back to them very soon. This should save the gopis from the grips of death, just as such a message saved them once before, when Akrura had taken Krishna and Balarama away from Gokula. At that time, Krishna sent a messenger with the promise that he would return only after a few days. And since the simple gopis had full faith in Krishna's words, they found in this promise the strength to tolerate the disappointment of losing him. The anticipation of soon again enjoying the beauty of Krishna gave them solace. Aware of how daunting the task must appear, Krishna explains to Uddhava that the gopis headed by Sri Radhika have dedicated themselves, life and soul, to him alone. Only by Krishna's special efforts to keep them alive do their souls stay in their bodies. The gopis are burning in fire of Rahabhav, but Krishna is still struggling to save them. As Krishna indicates by the word praya, most of the gopis have somehow managed to survive, but some of them have already died and others, sad to say, will also be lost. As the fire of separation grows in intensity, for the gopis to stay alive becomes more and more difficult. In truth, only the shelter of Krishna's personal power provided secretly are the gopis surviving at all. Krishna doesn't want to admit this to Uddhava, who might rebuke him for preserving the gopis' lives. Were Krishna to allow the gopis to leave their bodies, their suffering would end. But by keeping them alive, he was only prolonging and intensifying their torment. Yet there is something else for Uddhava to consider. Krishna will share the gopis' fate. Krishna needs to be saved as much as they do. Therefore, Uddhava should take most seriously his mission of bringing the gopis a message of renewed hope. For devotees too pained by the account of the gopis' inner torment, this fourth verse of instruction to Uddhava can be interpreted in a different way, one that places more emphasis <clears throat> on how Krishna plans to maintain the gopis' lives. Two verses before, Krishna gave his assurance that he sustains the gopis through all difficulties, tan vibharam yaham. Krishna thus promised to arrange somehow or other for the gopis' happiness. And now Krishna tells just how Uddhava can help. The way to keep the gopis alive is to bring them Krishna's message promising his return. Although to save them, is practically impossible. This message may keep the breath of life barely flowing in the gopis' throats. Uddhava should visit the gopis and convince them. Sri Nandanandana is returning very soon. He is already on the way. He is practically here already. Text 143 The residents of Vrindavan, headed by the gopis, were always completely attached to me with deepest love. Therefore, when my uncle Akrura brought my brother Balarama and me to the city of Mathura, 
the residents of Vrindavan suffered extreme mental distress in separation from me and could not find any other source of happiness. Commentary The next four verses recited by Parikshit Maharaj to his mother texts 143 through 146 come from Krishna's discussion with Uddhava in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 12, 10 through 13. When Krishna and Uddhava were together in Dwarka, Krishna explained to Uddhava the great value of associating with saintly, saintly devotees of the Lord. Discussing this topic reminded Krishna of the most exalted of all saintly Vaishnavas, his own beloved gopis. And this so overwhelmed Krishna's heart that he digressed to speak these four verses. King Kangsa engaged Akrura, the son of Shapalka, to bring Krishna to Mathura, whatever it took. Krishna was reluctant to make the trip, but Akrura used his wits to convince Vasudev and Balarama that going to Mathura was unavoidable. By referring to, to Akrura as the noble son of Shwapalka, Shwapalka being a worthy descendant of Yadu, Krishna is telling Uddhava that the Brajabhasis, including Krishna himself, have no excuse, have to excuse Akrura. After all, Akrura was only doing what he thought necessary to protect his dynasty from the wrath of Kamsa. Lord Balarama, who was present when Akrura came to Vrindavan, could have expertly, could have expertly pacified the Brajbasis, as he had done previously, when Krishna seemed imperiled in the grip of Kalia. But this time, somehow, he made no such attempt. And when Akrura approached Balarama to present the plight of Basudev and Devaki and the other Yadus, who were living in fear and misery under the rule of Kangsa, it was Balarama who gave his consent for taking Krishna from Vrindavan to Mathura. Had, had it not been for this, Krishna might never have left Vrindavan. After Krishna departed, the gopis could find no other object of delight for their eyes. Whatever they saw reminded them that Krishna was gone and this only made them more miserable. With the supreme desirable object removed from their sight, everything else appeared worthless. Separation from Krishna was like a persistent throbbing in the head that made enjoying anything in life impossible. Even before Krishna left, the gopis' attraction to him had been obsessive, but now it was utterly out of control and it tormented them like a raging fever in the brain. They entered the rarest state of ecstasy, in which nothing around them seemed able to give them happiness. Uddhava might wonder why the gopis, whose wisdom is praised by the most learned sages, continued to be attracted to Krishna even after he had caused them so much anguish. Krishna's answer is, that the gopis' love for him was so extremely intense that nothing, not even his mistreatment of them, could impede it. 
as the sage Parashara describes, Madhusudana gave so much delight to the gopis that later, when he was absent, a moment seemed to them like ten million years. Vishnu Purana, 5.13.58 Parashara was describing to Maitreya some years after the fact the separation the gopis felt and thus he used the past tense. The word gopi can here be understood to derive from gaha, panti. They protect their senses. The gopis protected their senses by keeping them away from material objects. In truth, the gopis were the greatest of all self-controlled yogis. But Krishna's charms so entranced them that they became entangled in loving affairs with him and therefore suffered. Madhusudana is the name of a particular bee well known for his rapacious nature of greedily, greedily collecting honey from many lotus flowers. And another Madhusudana, known as Krishna, took from the gopis and ruined Sudayati, all their honey, Madhu, all their attractive, enjoyable qualities. He stole everything they had. Krishna here confesses to Uddhava that it is simply his nature to attract all sorts of people, exploit them for his own pleasure, enjoy them to his full, and then go away and leave them miserable. In the message Krishna was instructing Uddhava to carry, Krishna might have said that he himself endured as much torment in separation from the gopis as they did in separation from him. But the facts prove otherwise. The gopis surrendered to Krishna with absolute dedication, as he himself will describe in the next two verses. Krishna, however, as he confesses to Uddhava, is not nearly as surrendered to them. Krishna may have a high reputation as the most exalted of saintly persons, but in his own opinion, expressed in these verses, the gopis are much more virtuous. In them there is not a trace of cruelty or ingratitude, and pure love for him, like theirs, is not to be found anywhere else. Text 144 <clears throat> Dear Rudava, all of those nights the gopis spent with me, their most dearly beloved, when I was present in Vrindavan, seemed to them to pass in less than a moment. But when bereft of my association, the gopis felt those same nights drag on forever, as if each night were equal to a day of Brahma. Commentary here Krishna acknowledges the terrible agony the gopis endure on his account. He addresses Uddhava as Anga to indicate that Uddhava is as dear to him as his own body. And he describes how the pleasure of the rasa dance he shared with his beloved gopis passed swiftly as if in a single moment, even though the rasa lila lasted several nights. As certain Smriti Shastras explain, the word nights 
can also mean days and nights. But the Supreme Lord's special energies, by the Supreme Lord's special energies, the Rasa dance did not end in a single night, but lasted many nights and days. Although outsiders were unaware, Krishna and the gopis celebrated the Rasa Leela for a long time without interruption. That such an extended festival seemed to the gopis to last only a moment proves how happy Krishna's pure devotees become in his intimate association. The moonlit autumn nights when Krishna danced with the gopis passed quickly for the gopis, but not other nights. On other nights, the suffering they underwent from Krishna's absence seemed to last millions of years. Or, if we accept that Krishna, almost every night, would find ways to sneak out of the house to meet the gopis, then every night passed quickly, not just the nights of the Rasa Leela season. Only the daytimes were excruciatingly long. Krishna admits that the devotees' great love for him has cast them into utter misery. This thought might prompt the friend to suggest that Krishna bring the gopis to Dwarka and again make them happy. But this idea, Krishna answers, is not feasible. The rasa dance was a source of delight for him and the gopis because they enjoyed it together in Vrindavan. Neither Krishna nor the gopis can feel the same ecstasy anywhere else. Only in Vrindavan does Krishna wander among his cows and dress himself as a cowherd. Only in the atmosphere of Vrindavan is the highest ecstasy perceived. Unfortunately, Krishna confesses he is no longer the same person as in Vrindavan. He has become ungrateful and hard-hearted. Yet the original virtues of the gopis have not degraded at all. And therefore, Krishna considers the gopis much more exalted than himself. Text 145 My dear Uddhava, just as great sages in yoga trance <clears throat> merge into self-realization, like rivers merging into the ocean, and thus are unaware of material names and forms, the gopis of Vrindavan were so completely attached to me within their minds that they could not think of their own bodies or of this world or of their future lives. Their entire consciousness was simply bound up in me. Commentary The gopis were married women with husbands, children and household responsibilities. How can they be considered superior to renounced self-contented sages who have given up all material attachments. Here Krishna answers this doubt. <clears throat> After sages who follow the Ashtanga Yoga system become advanced in the practice of Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Jnana and Dharana, they realize the Absolute Truth as Lord Vishnu in their perfected trance or Samadhi. In that perfect consciousness, they forget the temporary names and forms of the material world, including the names and forms of their own bodies. 
The gopis resemble such perfect sages. For the activities of the gopis' minds are all fixed on Krishna and a highly developed trance, achieved by virtue of their constant connection with Krishna, their natural relationship with Him in pure love. Like sages adept at Ashtanga Yoga, the gopis have forgotten everything of this world, their husbands and children, their own bodies, the normal objects of self-centered attachment, their individual identities as proprietors and enjoyers of the material body, and all their hopes for success in this life and the next. As rivers abandon themselves to the waves of the ocean, the gopis have merged their hearts in thoughts of Krishna. Thus, being fully dedicated to Krishna, they should be recognized as even greater than munis, perfect in the Astanga Yoga system. Even while standing in the midst of a blazing fire, the gopis are not burned. Rather, all their desires are fulfilled. Furthermore, by remaining always in Krishna consciousness, the gopis have gained the spiritual strength to easily turn away from everything material. Their hearts are irrevocably attracted to Krishna in all circumstances, whereas munis have to struggle to, um, hard to progress through the successive methods of Ashtanga Yoga. The munis must deeply concentrate to bring their minds under subjugation, and only after long endeavor can they possibly reach the goal, samadhi, in which they can forget material names and forms. The gopis are much greater because they easily achieve samadhi. But aren't self-contented sages like the four kumaras considered the most advanced of saintly persons? In ordinary circles, that opinion may prevail, but in truth, the gopis are more saintly than self-contented sages. The gopis differ from sages whose minds flow like rivers into the ocean of samadhi, oblivious of names and forms. Though the gopis forget everything material, including their own bodies, they never forget Krishna's names, forms, and qualities. The lives of the gopis are practical and real, full of variety, and imbued with the spirit of devotion to Krishna. The gopis, fixing their intelligence completely on Krishna, never forget his names and forms. Thus they excel all munis by easily realizing the highest limit of happiness in full love of God. In the ninth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, 9.4.64, Lord Narayana tells the Muni, Durvasa, Naham Atmanam Ashase, Madbhaktai Sadubirbina, Shriyam Atyantikim Vapi, Yesham Gatir Daham Prada. O best of the Brahmanas, <clears throat> without saintly persons, for whom I am the only destination, I do not desire to enjoy my transcendental bliss or even the association of my consort Sri, the supreme goddess of fortune. <clears throat> In other words, 
the Supreme Lord is more attracted to his pure devotees than to the goddess Sri. Here a doubt may arise. Here a doubt may arise. <clears throat> the gopis of Vrindavan are also said to be goddesses of fortune. Doesn't that put them in the same category with Sri? How can they how then can they be considered Krishna's dear most devotees? Krishna dispels this doubt here in this discussion with Uddhava in the eleventh canto by disclosing a confidential aspect of the gopis' glories, an aspect that establishes the gopis beyond all doubt as the greatest of saints and greater even than the goddess Sri. Earlier in the 10th canto, while giving Uddhava the message to convey to the gopis, Krishna glorified them. But, but at that time, Krishna did not reveal that he himself was distressed by being separated from them. <clears throat> Had he done so, Uddhava might have told this to the gopis and their condition would only have worsened. But now, in the 11th canto, Krishna would have... But now, in the 11th canto, Krishna wishes to refute the popular misconception that he is hard-hearted and he wishes to satisfy Uddhava and so revealing the greatness of his own ecstasy, he discloses his feelings for the gopis. In doing so, he describes how it is that the gopis are more saintly than everyone else. To understand the hidden meaning of what Krishna is saying here, we have to read the word avidan as a present participle, being unaware instead of the, a past tense verb, were unaware. The rules of Sanskrit grammar allow this. As a participle, avidan is a masculine form in the nominative, nominative case. And so it must refer to the speaker, Krishna himself. Avidan can therefore be translated as, if I am aware. Krishna's being the subject of the previous verse, which includes the word maya, by me, further justifies such a reading. The sages, muniya, are another subject in the current verse, and thus, by extension, the participle can also refer to the sages. Krishna is saying then, sages are not really sages, if in their samadhi they become like rivers flowing into the ocean and forget my names and forms. Because the activities of their senses completely stop, such forgetful sages become as if dead, for they are devoid of the living soul's defining quality of thought and unable to experience transcendental ecstasy. In the same way, were I ever to forget my gopis, were I ever to fail to think of them constantly, I would no longer be Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Or, understanding this idea, 
in an even more radical sense, then my life would come to an end. I would no longer exist. Krishna refrains from openly speaking this last thought because he wants to spare Uddhava the pain of hearing something so distasteful. Krishna, <clears throat> divulging why he feels the way he does, says to Uddhava, I am obliged to the gopis because their minds are absolutely fixed on me. The gopis always think exclusively of me and their attraction to me is most sublime. Therefore, dear brother, for them I have the greatest love. I must confess to not having the same kind of love for anything or anyone else, not for my parents, my brothers, my queens, my children, not for my own transcendental body, not for my Vaikuntha abode with all its paraphernalia and associates, not for, nor for my special abodes here in Dwarka and Mathura, all of them I could forget and still be myself, Sri Krishna, and not feel as much pain as if I were ever to forget the gopis of Braja. I am always thinking of the gopis with supreme love and attachment. In another verse, found in Srila Rupa Goswami's Pajabali 135, Uddhava tells the gopis, The path you women traverse who feel separation from Krishna, <clears throat> even great yogis cannot approach. You have realized the goal of meditation that others can hardly achieve. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose form is the most worthy object of meditation, Real yogis engaged in eternal devotional service to the Supreme Lord know only Krishna as the object of their meditation. But the gopis have surpassed even such genuine yogis because the gopis are the constant object of Krishna's meditation. Therefore, they are greater than anyone else, everyone else. Shall I? One more? Okay. Text 146. All those hundreds and thousands of women knowing me as their most charming lover and ardently desiring me that way were unaware of my actual position. Yet by intimately associating with me, they attained me, the supreme, absolute truth. Commentary The gopis fulfilled their higher ambition, highest ambitions <clears throat> by achieving Krishna as their lover. Those cowherd women were so exalted that by personal contact <clears throat> with them, thousands of the outcast women of Braja, Pulindas and other aborigines, achieved the same rarest goal of life. The word abala, women, in its literal sense means not strong, indicating that the aborigine women lacked the assets of knowledge, good birth, good behavior, and devotion to God. They were ignorant of their own eternal identities 
as spirit souls. And because they, have never become, they had never become close enough, and because they had never come close enough, close enough to Nanda Maharaja's village to see Krishna with their own eyes, they were also ignorant of Krishna's all-attractive beauty. Nonetheless, in the forest, the aborigine women of Praja accidentally came in contact with grass and leaves smeared with the kumtum, kumkum from the bodies of the gopis and in this way gained the transcendental association of the gopis and also became infected with the desire to have Krishna as their lover. Or if we presume that the Bulindis and other aborigine women, simply by being born in Krishna's holy dham, must have known that they were eternal souls, their association with the gopis, even though indirect, infused them with the sublime devotion for Krishna and made them forget whatever spiritual knowledge they had. They were also ignorant of who they were in another sense, taking no heed of their own dirtiness and their dingy complexions, they were helplessly impelled toward Krishna by the conjugal attraction they contracted from the gopis. <laughs> the Pulindis and others may have been low-class tribal women, but they had the greatest fortune of being attracted to the Supreme Absolute Truth. The darling son of Nanda Maharaj and that attraction was extraordinary. They accepted him as the absolute master of their lives and that too in the special mood that he was their unmarried lover. They had to keep their love for secret Krishna. They had to keep their love for Krishna secret because as outcasts they had little hope of ever meeting him. And if they did chance to meet him, that contact would be considered altogether illicit. Thus, they privately cherished the treasure of prema within the cores of their hearts. At every moment, they tasted newer and newer sweetness and the highest possible limits of blissful satisfaction. Having had some contact with the gopis, the aborigine women of Braja all attained a perfection similar to theirs. If not in this life, then in the next. Hare Krishna. Jai Shri Krishna. Sanatana Goswami ki jai. Gopi Bhav ki jai. Okay, we're going to stop tonight. I was going to try to get to 57 by, the, by tomorrow, through tomorrow night, but it doesn't look it's going to be possible. Yeah, but we only did seven just now. Maybe some of the last ones will be shorter. We'll see. She's looking ahead to find out. Huh? They look like they're slightly longer. What? Longer session tomorrow. We'll see. Okay. Hare Krishna. Okay, we're going to stop here and uh, pray for the reflections and the uh, comments and discussions of the Vaishnavas. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you. Raja Lakshmi has something to say.
Thank you very much, Maharaj. That was wonderful reading again. Um, the two points that I felt were really, really uh, wonderful in this section were the power of Sankirtan, how the gopis were constantly just by engaging their hearts and minds in Krishna's Sankirtan became so dear to Krishna. And secondly, power of association of devotees, how the Aborigine women, uh, the Aborigine women and Pulindis, just by coming in contact with the objects used by the gopis, also attained the same perfection. Yes. Thank you, Maharaj. Yes, there's another uh, conversation by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur that says that uh, one who serves Srimati Radharani and Krishna get pleasure higher than them. And then the ones who serve those servants get a higher pleasure than them. And on it goes, unlimitedly. Everything is the opposite in the material world, in the spiritual world, as it is in the material world. Here we want to get close to a person. If you don't, the farther away you get, the less happy you are. But there, it's just the opposite. And this is the most difficult thing to understand, that these descriptions of the misery the gopis were feeling are just external. Internally, they were feeling the topmost possible transcendental uh, bliss and ecstasy. Sanatana Goswami describes that just as you can take ice, which is very cold, and, and make it very cold, dry ice, you can put it on your skin and it will burn. It will feel like burning, like, like fire is burning you. Take it off and there's a red spot, just like it was burned. So it's cold, but it feels hot. And that's the actual fact of these pastimes. And once you get that in your consciousness, understanding, then these descriptions of how they're suffering will just take you to someplace different. Hare Krishna. Yes, Chakadari. I was just uh, wondering again about the point of the uh, Pulindi, Pulindi women and the Aborigine, how huh. all they had to do was to in contact with even the kumkuma of huh. the uh, gopis. Huh. Just wondering in context of Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, um, uh, even if someone con comes in contact with the Sankirtan movement, uh, and it was interesting how he said, pull in the, even not in this lifetime, maybe next lifetime they'll achieve. So wondering whatever little uh, devotional service you do in Prabhupada's movement and helping Prabhupada and uh, spread Chaitanya Mahaprabhu movement, do we think we can draw parallels there, Maharaj? Yes, it, actually this is what this is what Haridas Thakur told to Lord Chaitanya. When Lord Chaitanya came to him, uh, in distress. Lord Chaitanya came in anxiety and expressed it to Haridas Thakur and Haridas Thakur said, My dear Lord, please, don't be in anxiety. And in the purport, Prabhupada says, this is service to help Lord Chaitanya uh, reduce the anxiety he feels seeing the conditioned soul suffering in material existence. So, Lord Chaitanya, and then Lord Chaitanya said, well, what about the non-moving living beings, the trees and all the lower life forms? 
And, and Haridas Thakur says, don't worry about them. You've already liberated them. It's already done. So we, we, we can't say it happened all at once, but even if we can say that, Haridas Thakur said, and if everyone leaves all at once, don't worry, my Lord, it will fill up again again. When Lord says, but then the material world wouldn't exist anymore if there was nobody in it. And Hardak says, don't worry. Just as a, a government may, you know, have all the prisoners come somehow or other become good and go out of it. The, they won't close the prison down because very soon it fills up again because it's the nature of this material world. So there's many souls waiting out there in the Brahma Jyoti in the waiting line to get into the material world so they can go to the spiritual world. So like that, you know, by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, uh, those who come in contact with his movement in any way, shape or form, they become eligible to go back to Godhead. Even if they don't go back immediately, it may take time. But once that taste is there, they can't forget it. There have been devotees, even devotees of Prabhupada, left the movement and tried to forget I talked to a few of them. They can't. And Prabhupada laughed and said, Yes, I have tricked you. <laughs> okay. Anything else from cyberspace? Brajvalabha said, Hare Krishna. Hey, Braja, Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. Haribo. O grace to Srila Prabhupada. Maharaj, you look more effulgent in this atmosphere. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm with my doctor, you know, I'm taking shelter. Krishna Primavati Devidasi said Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Gopakanya Devidasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all friends, the fortunate lovers of Sri Brihad Bhagavatam. Oglois to your daily readings with love and enthusiasm, to us with all years of realization and devotion and sharing with us in the loving dear Maharaj. Indeed, we especially am really forever indebted. Thank you with all the gra all gratitude again and again. Oglois to Srila Prabhupada. Jai, Oglois to Prabhupada. This reading of yours made me comfortable and clear to realize Krishna consciousness and easier to practice Jai Ho. Jai Ho. Share with us lovingly. Hare Krishna. Radha Rani said, Hare Krishna, very nice program. Hare Krishna. Ananda Muti Devidasi. Jai Gurudev, please accept my humble obeisances. O glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much for today's reading. I can't say anything about the topic. Thank you so much. <laughs> Not so easy. From Gopakanya Devidasi. <laughs> Most of the time I'm hearing this in my work also. Sometimes my colleagues come and listen and watch with me. Mostly they don't understand what reading is <laughs> 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 reading is about. But they say your reader looks cool and pure. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that I too am cool among them because of hearing you daily. <laughs> There you go. That's the answer to your question. She just answered your question. Anyway, that was lovely. Thank you for the, especially for the last one. You know, 
and Raj Bala, what can I say? It, I think you can say that this altar and this atmosphere definitely is making me happier and happier. But also, uh, it's just the hearing these subject matters makes us happier and happier. There's no other thing that can happen. Sri Briyad Bhagavatamrita ki jai. Samabeda Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. So tune in tomorrow night because it'll be the last one for some time here in Nilachal, Hereford, in the, in the transcendental atmosphere, in the home of Jagannath, Baladev, Subhadra, Shishigornitai, Bal Gopal, Devi, Krishna Balaram, Nishingadev, and, and Lakshmi Nishingadev, and Haridas Thakur, and Srila Prabhupada and His Holiness Radhanath Maharaj, and the, and the Sat uh, avatars, the ten avatars of Krishna. See you tomorrow, tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same subject. The creme de la creme de la creme. We'll try to finish this book tomorrow. It's ten verses only. But we only read seven verses tonight because these commentaries are out of this world. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow.